Thank you to the worship team for leading us uh, in praise and worship this morning as uh, we get a great start on this uh, theme of joy from the worship that we entered into. And so we want to continue looking at this theme of joy this morning and talking about, as we talk about encountering Christ in Advent, Advent is that word for coming as we Uh, remember and prepare to celebrate the first coming of Jesus, we also at the same time look forward to the second coming, that our Savior who has come in the form of a baby to die, uh, was resurrected, rules and reigns, ascended to heaven, and is coming back again as our coming King. And so even as we think about the first advent, we think about with hope and expectation the second advent of Jesus. And so hope and peace today joy. There are sermon notes in your bulletins. You can fill in just some simple fill-ins today, but we want to talk about not just what joy is, but encountering joy. Stories told of a conference at a Presbyterian church in Omaha, Nebraska. And at this conference, people were given on their way into one of the sessions, they were given helium-filled balloons. And they were told to release the balloons at a point in the service whenever they began to feel joy in their hearts. Now, I did an internship in a Presbyterian church, an evangelical Presbyterian church, oh, 20-plus years ago now, and they prided themselves on being called the Frozen Chosen. So if you're familiar at all with Presbyterian theology, they're very, very strong on the choosing of God in election for salvation, but also the fact that they are very, very, very stoic, the frozen chosen, and they would pride themselves on that. It was part of their uh, denominational movement kind of identity. And so you can imagine in this context, these frozen chosen giving these helium-filled balloons that whenever they were stirred with joy, because they would not say, amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah, there wouldn't be any clapping in the midst of a praise song at the end of it where the joy was being expressed. They were able to express the joy by simply letting go of that balloon. And as the conference went, as the service went, as the, those who were singing, were leading the singing, as the speaker was speaking, slowly but surely, balloons would just loft to the roof. Do you know the sad thing? By the end of the service, when everyone was dismissed, it was estimated that there were about a third of the people who walked out with balloon in hand, not experiencing the joy of the Lord. Joy is not happiness. Sometimes we think about Joy and happiness being the same thing, but joy and happiness are two completely distinct things. Happiness is based on external circumstances. It fluctuates based on whether you are doing well, good, or whether you are doing bad. So to illustrate that, imagine I have this $50 bill. Excitement. Mara's feeling good. Now imagine, this is just imagination. Imagine I was to give this. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Imagine I was to give Mara that $50 bill. (laughs) 
which I just did. <laughs> now imagine, now how do you feel? Really good. Really good. Very happy. Really good. Now imagine Mara's holding that $50 bill. And in the midst of the service, joy is filling her heart. And she's just, she's excited. She's pumped up. She's focused on Jesus so much. She can't wait when she leaves, as you'll see at the end, to tell others about the joy that she's experienced. And she's so excited, she forgets about the $50 bill. And she drops it, and she's on her way out. She gets home. Got to make sure I get that thing back. She gets home and she realizes, I don't have the $50 bill anymore. What did I do with it? How would you feel now? The answer is sad. Disappointed. Disappointed. Okay. No longer are you happy, right? You've lost the thing that made you happy. You're now sad. You're now disappointed. Because the thing that brought the happiness, the joy, the excitement is now no longer there. Happiness when it is based on external circumstances, goes up and goes down. It fluctuates based on the circumstances of our lives. Now, Mara could still have joy in the midst of it all, and here's why. The scriptures tell us that the Lord has promised to take care of all of Mara's needs. (laughs) That she is worth more than the sparrows, And the grass of the field that are here today and fall aside tomorrow. And if God is taking care of those and values them, how much more is Mara worth? So how much more is he going to provide for her needs? That provides joy. Because joy is based on and is a lasting state of of contentment and confidence that comes from trusting God who cares for her and the promises that he has made to her. And so even if she runs out of here with a $50 bill, she's happy, but she has joy because her trust is in God and in the promises of him to her. She has lasting contentment and lasting the state of being in, a, in, in contentment and confidence in God. That even when she gets home and she realizes, I don't have that $50, she's disappointed, she's sad. But it doesn't change the fact that she has joy. Because joy is based on God. It's based on him and his promises, not on the circumstances of our lives. This morning we want to talk about joy in that way. And we want to be people who encounter joy in such a way that if we were to have balloons that they would not be able to be in our hands very long. That the joy of the Lord would be experienced in increasing ways, so much so that no matter what the circumstances are of our lives, we would be able to be people who let it go, who can't contain our joy. So let's look this morning at how we can encounter that kind of joy from the story of the shepherds hearing of the birth of Jesus. First, we can learn to encounter joy by hearing the good news of joy. Hear the good news of joy. The first verses, verses 8 through 14, help us to see this. And we need to understand that there is a backdrop to all of this. And that backdrop is that there was the promise of a Savior. 
there was a promise of a savior. As we saw last week, from the moment that peace or shalom was lost in the garden, God had promised that he would crush the head of the serpent, that sin would be reversed, that the curse that had, been, that had come into the world because of sin, that the peace and the shalom, the wholeness that was lost, it would be reversed. And so the people of God, Israel, had heard of the promise of a Savior from the moment God cursed the serpent in the garden. Those promises of God intensified all throughout the Old Testament. We see them as they gain intensity and clarity as God makes promises to Abraham, as God makes promises to Isaac and Jacob, as God makes promises to the people of Israel through David the king, all the way through the prophets, that there would be a Messiah, a Savior, who would be the one who would make all things right again, the one who would bring salvation. You could not have been a Jew in first century Israel and not have known the promise of a savior. They were watching, they were waiting, they were anticipating, and it was because they had heard of the promise of God, they had heard of the character of God, they had heard of the contentment that he brings that they would have been people, even in the midst of circumstances, being occupied by the Romans, of not being in a place where they would have wanted to be and not ruling themselves, they would have been a people who still could have experienced joy because they were content in who God was and in his promises. Even though their circumstances were not what it wanted. The promise of a savior is the backdrop to what we see in Luke chapter 2. Verses 10 through 14 tell us about the promise being fulfilled. Luke 1 through 7 is that amazing encounter, simple story of how Jesus was born in a manger to Mary and to Joseph and how they wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. God fulfilled the promise that the people had heard of for generations in the birth of Jesus on that night. Verses 10 through, 10 through 12 tell us that there were these shepherds and these shepherds were met by an angel messenger who shared the good news of great joy. Some translations say exceeding joy. could understand it as abundant, overflowing. This is the best news that you could ever hear. Good news of Abundant, exceeding joy. Why? Because a Savior, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ. Christ is a term for Messiah or anointed one. He is Christ, the anointed Messiah, the Lord. And they're told that this would be, that there would be a sign to them that they would see a baby wrapped in claws, and lying in a manger. Do you see where the good news of joy begins? It begins in hearing. They heard the promises of God. 
they heard the angel deliver this good news of great joy. And then, if that wasn't enough, suddenly, verses 13 and 14, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. You see, this news was so good that not one angel, but a multitude of angels has to convey it. You know, this is my mind. I don't know if this is biblical. I'm sure God probably sent them. But it's almost as if this angel comes and delivers the good news of great joy. And all of the multitude of angels in heaven, they're in the heavenly realms, and they're hearing it, they've seen it, they're like, I gotta go too! And they leap through from the heavenly realms into this earthly realm. Like, I can't contain it. This news is too good. Great news, good news of great joy for all the people. Glory to God in the highest. And peace on earth on whom his favor rests. One angel delivers the message. And the shepherds hear it. But a great multitude joins in. Because the good news is that good. I love how verse 14 tells us that this good news brings peace to men on whom his favor rests. And verse 10 tells us that this joy, this good news of great joy will be for all the people. You know, I would think, and I think you would probably agree with me on this, that if there was this good of news, that would be of great joy, that had been prophesied and promised for generations after generations after generations, that it would go to the elite, right? It would go to the king. It would go to the religious elite. It would go to the wealthy. It would go to the people of power and influence. If this good news was being announced and a nation had been waiting to hear of it, it would go to the top and it would funnel down from there. But that's not who it went to. It went to lowly shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks at night. Shepherds were the outcasts of society. They were unclean. They were not able to go into the temple to worship as they were. These are the people who were despised, who were not seen. They were the marginalized. They were the ones on the edges of society, not the ones that you and I would think, if you're going to tell somebody about the good news of great joy, you're going to go for sure to the shepherds. It wasn't them. It was. It wasn't the, the wealthy and the powerful. It was the lowly. Why? Because this good news of great joy is for all people. Sometimes we may come to church, or you may know of people who would say, I will 
never step foot in a church because if I step foot in a church, the thing would probably fall down on me. Have you heard people say that? I, I, I've heard that. I've invited people sometimes to church and they'd be like, oh, I'm not going to go. The place would crash down on me if I came in. Or you may be here on a regular basis and you may say, yeah, it's good news of great joy for all the people, but I'm not quite sure it's for me. Hear the good news today. This good news of great joy is for every single person. You don't have to fit into a certain identity or box. You don't have to come from a certain place. You don't have to have a certain amount. You don't have to know a certain amount. You all come. This is good news of great joy for all people. And this good news of great joy was based on the promises of God being fulfilled in the birth of Jesus. You see, at the moment, the circumstances of the world hadn't changed. Jesus didn't show up and Rome was kicked out. But a change was in the works. The message had been heard for generations and generations and generations. And that message had brought joy and contentment and confidence as the people of God trusted in their God and in his promises. But now something had changed. The good news of great joy had come. It's kind of like a young married couple. They come to a place in their married life where they decide it's time for our family to expand. And one day, there's a test that's taken. And that test tells them good news of great joy. They're going to have a baby. It's good news that they hear. It's good news that as they go to the doctor for the first time, they hear the heartbeat of their baby. They hear as they read of all that is coming in trimester after trimester, as they enter, finish the first trimester and head into the next, as they come to the gender reveal, they hear good news, it's a boy or it's a girl, whatever it may be. As they come close, they hear a day when she says, I think it's time. Good news that brings great joy. Why? There's the promise and the expectation of a child that is on his or her way. This is what gave Israel and those shepherds joy. They had heard the promises of God. And now they had heard from the angel and the heavenly host good news of great joy in the town of David, a savior a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. It's the good news that we need to hear today. We may have heard it a hundred times or a thousand times, but it always brings us joy when we hear the good news that the Savior has been born. We encounter joy by hearing the good news, but we also then encounter the good news of joy. Verse 15 tells us, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, 
let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Have you ever wondered what it would have been like when that moment ended? Out of nowhere, here is an angel. These shepherds are in the fields at night keeping watch over their flocks. It's quiet, it's dark, the sheep are milling around maybe, they're keeping an eye on them as best as they can, and all of a sudden there's the rustle and the angel, and then the heavenly host comes. I mean, this was like out of nowhere, blow your mind kind of moment, and then they're gone. Could you imagine what it was like to be there together as shepherds, looking at one another? (laughs) Did what just happened really happen? Am I going crazy or did you just see that thing? Did you just hear that news? Did you see it and hear it too? And they talk amongst each other and they hear confirmation amongst themselves. They have some options. They could say, wow, that was amazing. That was incredible. The glory of the Lord is probably still like hanging on them there. The weight of the glory of God is probably still hanging in the area there. They could be like, wow. That was intense. All right. Shake it off. Let's move on. That was one option. Another option could have been, let's discuss this. Let's talk about it. What did you hear? How did it go? What do you think this means? Let's form some focus groups and really try to figure this thing out, and it'll probably die right there. Or they could do what they actually did. Say to one another, let's go see this thing that we have heard about. See, it's one thing to hear the good news. It's another thing to respond to the good news. Because response leads you, verse 16, to encounter. Response leads you to encounter. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was, imagine this, lying in the manger just as the angel said it would be. What they heard, they decided to act on and respond and it led them to encounter the one they had heard about. Luke doesn't tell us what they did when they got there. But I can imagine they did probably what Matthew tells us the wise men did in Matthew chapter 2. I can imagine they probably bowed down and they probably worshipped. They encountered the one who, as they had just encountered the glory, which is the weighty presence of the Lord, they encountered the one who in humility and wonder and adoration and worship, they brought their affections to the Lord. Just as we did this morning, O come, let us adore him. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us praise him. There was joy because they had not only heard the good news, they had now encountered the one the good news was about. The Savior of the world, Messiah, Jesus, the Lord. Those young parents 
that I had you think about a few moments ago who hear that good news of pregnancy. They go from excitement and joy of promise to the excitement and joy of encounter when the labor pains are finally over and that child that for eight or nine months they have been waiting in expectation for finally arrives. It's one thing to hear and to think about all of these things. It's a totally different thing to have your son or your daughter in your arms, to hear their cry or their cry. (laughs) You're probably crying too. There is a joy that comes in encounter. Friends, Jesus is our joy. And Jesus is meant to be encountered. Don't just settle for hearing about him. Do you know the longest 18 inches in the world? You know what it is? The distance from your brain to your heart. Friends, there are many who hear and who know all about Jesus but who haven't encountered him in their heart. That's why you could sit through a whole worship service with a balloon in your hand that all you have to do is let go of it to express joy in your soul and walk out of there with balloons still in hand. You could hear all about the good news of great joy, but if you don't allow it to lead you to encounter with him, you just filled your mind with knowledge. The Apostle Paul says that when you do that, knowledge puffs us up. We begin to be so prideful, and I know this, and I can quote this verse, and I know that song, and I remember this, and I remember that, and I could tell you about this. I could share the gospel with you, point A, B, C, D. I could tell you the best thing. And you could miss the one that joy is about. The Pharisees and the Sadducees They could talk circles around everyone in this room as far as their knowledge of the law and the scriptures, but they missed Jesus. Friends, don't settle and say, I've heard the good news, and I know all about the good news, and I know all about Jesus. Don't settle for that. Let it drive you to encounter him. Say, I want to know personally the one that this good news is about. So maybe for you today, that is responding in faith for the first time to Jesus. That is acknowledging that there is a gap between you and him that sin has created. That you are not at peace with God. We talked about that last week. That sin has caused you not to be at peace with God, but he has come that we would be at peace with him. And so turning from our ways, our sin, and trusting Christ, because he didn't just come to be a little baby. He came ultimately to go to a cross where the sin of the world, my sin and your sin, and all who have ever lived, the sin of the world would be laid on him, and he would pay the price in his death and his bloodshed 
for us to be brought back to God, that as we turn from ourselves and our sin and our, we place our faith in him, we receive him as savior. Maybe today, the way that you need to encounter the good news of great joy is to come to Jesus for salvation for the first time. Maybe for you, it's just been, you know a lot about him. But you may say, I could go through a worship service and not know the joy of the Lord. Maybe for you, that is your invitation today that the Lord is saying, I want to give you my joy. I want you to meet me in a personal way. If that's you, maybe in this Advent season, it's a fresh time for you to ask that Jesus would reveal himself to you through the truths of Scripture by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Jesus' presence with us. And he does so many things. He teaches us, he leads us into truth, he convicts us, he empowers us, but he also produces different fruit in us. Galatians 5 talks about those, and one of them, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Do you know the second one? Joy. See, joy is something that he produces in us as we encounter And so maybe it is today that deep down in your soul, you desire to ask Jesus, I want to know you and by your spirit, would you allow me to not just hear the good news about you, but to encounter, encounter the good news of you through your spirit, the Holy Spirit. So that joy would be something that I would encounter deep within me. When I was a kid in Sunday school, we would sing this song. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart to stay. There's something about the joy of the Lord that's not out there, that's not up here, but is here in our soul. Joy is intended to be encountered and experienced. We hear the good news, we respond to it by encountering him, and then we share it. We share it. You see, here is where the shepherds, you know that they've encountered joy. They've heard it. They've seen him. The one they've heard about, they've seen. They've seen him in person. All that the Lord had told them through the angels had come true. And verse 20 says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. When they had seen Jesus they returned glorifying and praising God for the things they had heard and seen. Joy cannot be contained. 
joy bubbles up, it bursts forth, and the place that it does that first and foremost is in worship and in praise. They glorified, that's worship, and they praised God. I shared at the beginning of the service about the homegoing of Virginia Nicholson. And I was privileged on Thursday afternoon to be with her and her family for a number of hours as she was preparing to leave this life and to enter into the next. And so a number of family members asked them, Mom, what do you want at your funeral service? There had been talk about it. They said, what do you want at your funeral service? And she said two things. She said, glorify God. And a little later, she was asked again, Mom, what do you want at your funeral service? And she said, praise the Lord. (laughs) You know, I, I find that amazing. That the very thing the shepherds did were the words, some of the last words on her lips as she thought about what, what, what do I want at my funeral service? I want there to be glorification of God. And I want him to be praised. Circumstances were horrible. But there was joy in that room in the midst of grief. Why? Because joy is not dependent on circumstances. Joy is based on the contentment and the satisfaction that comes from God and the belief in his promises. She knew what was on the other side that was on its way. And so she was able to say, what do I want at my funeral? I want to glorify God, and I want there to be praise of the Lord. And amazingly, that's exactly what the shepherds did as they left. They glorified God, and they praised the Lord for what they had seen and what they had heard. And they also shared it. They worshiped, they praised, and they shared. Verse 17. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed, were amazed at what the shepherd said. See, when you have good news, you can't keep it to yourself. When you've heard good news of great joy, when you've encountered good news of great joy, you can't help but tell others about it. Think about those parents of that newborn. And think about the grandparents. There is no way that there is anyone who is not saying, this is the most beautiful child in the world. My child, my grandchild, most amazing in the whole world. Why? 
They have encountered good news. They've encountered the one they've been waiting for. And they can't help but share it. Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is, just gets overloaded. It's amazing. The servers can even hold it after the birth of a child. It doesn't crash when parents and grandparents just upload like 6,000 pictures of the baby's head turning this way, this way, this way. You know, you got, oh, here he is this way. Here she is that way. Here, Like, it's the same picture. You just changed like a quarter of an inch. Oh, but look at this. Why? It's good news. There's great joy. And when we encounter Jesus, it's good news of great joy that we can't keep to ourselves. That worship and praise is going to be our response and we're going to want other people to know that good news of great joy for all the people has come. We share it. We share it. Christmas time, one of the songs that we sing a lot is Go Tell It on the Mountain. And Go Tell It on the Mountain is actually an African American spiritual. It was sung at Christmas time, actually written and sung at Christmas time by slaves in the Deep South. They would tell the good news. And encourage the good news, encourage each other with the good news of great joy that would be for all the people. And they would tell one another and sing about the shepherds and the encounter that they had with the angels and with Jesus. I don't know about you, but I would not think that would be the time and the place that good news of great joy for all the people would be welling up as there were those who were in slavery. But yet that's how they encouraged themselves. That's how they reminded themselves. That's how joy filled their hearts as they sang, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. When we hear good news, it leads us to encounter good news, Jesus, and it leads us to share that good news with others as worship and praise bubble up from our soul. May the joy of the Lord encounter you deeply. And may this Advent season not just be a time where you hear the good news of great joy again, but that you encounter the one who is good news and who is great joy. May it lead you to worship and praise and to sharing it with others. As we pray, and as we prepare to sing, go tell it on the mountain, will we just take a moment to allow the joy of the Lord to settle on us? Let's pray. Jesus, you are good news. You are good news of great joy. A Savior has been born. He is Christ, the Lord. And so, Lord, Lord, may the joy of the Lord, may the joy of the Lord that is our strength come upon us. May the peace that passes all understanding 
come upon us. May our hope that is in Jesus, may it strengthen us deep within. Jesus, we welcome you. As we sing, we welcome you. We welcome you. Holy Spirit of God, we welcome you. Jesus, we take our stand in you. We take our stand in your joy. We love you. We declare that you are greater and that your good news is for all. We welcome you. We love you, Jesus. We love you. In your name.